Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the TC Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. TC Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fuchs. Right up front. Younger fan inside of the net. now in glad to have you with us on this friday as we kick off a three-day weekend memorial weekend here in las vegas and no better place to be than the cosmopolitan of las vegas of course our friday home and also our special event home so all the above here this weekend here inside the sportsbook powered by our good friends at william hill and we invite you to come on down and join us and enjoy the show of course non-stop sports talk till the four o'clock hour right here inside the cosmopolitan las vegas today my man marco d'angelo is in the house from wagertalk.com and of course we will be handicapping plenty of major league baseball on tap for the entire weekend and we've got game number six tonight between the boston celtics and the miami heat closeout situation we'll also recap what our eyes saw last night with the golden state warriors advancing to their sixth NBA Finals in eight years, so a lot to talk about there, and maybe even a little Liverpool-Real Madrid, right? Champions League Final, got that happening? Marco, what's happening, brother? Ah, just glad to be here, you know? <laughs> as, he, as he laughs mysteriously there. You are glad to be here, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I'm sure glad you're here, man. I appreciate that. I'm not quite feeling myself, though. <laughs> Well, well, you should be after hitting the the Preakness last week. Yeah. Should be, you know. Let's give Marco a kudos again. Let's have the uh, sixty thousand give him a round of applause for not only, uh, hit, you know, hitting the exacta, but the try and the superfecta. Uh, congratulations, my friend. I appreciate it. That didn't pay a lot. See how I give you props? Oh, you got a lot of props to make up, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't pay a lot, but Chicken. it's always always better than tearing up a ticket. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the race kind of played out exactly how you said it would, and I kind of feel bad. I don't know if I should feel bad or not for, for Epicenter because it's the second race in a row that he, you know, ran, I guess, well enough to win, but really didn't run the right race, right? Kind of got tired out in both of them. He, he did, but he had some road trouble at the beginning of this race, got pinched off, and Joel Rosario had to change his game plan uh, coming out of the gate. And then uh, late when he tried to make a move, the hole closed, and he had to hesitate for a second. Not that I think he would have won the race, but it would have been a closer second. But it was a good race, and uh, kudos to Irad Ortiz Jr. Uh, he made a move once he cleared. Instead of staying out in the three-path where he was, he made a left-hand turn to the rail, which shut off the rail for Epicenter, who was coming up the rail and had to go to the outside at the end. So it was all good. It was all good. We talked about it last week. I asked you the question, is this a good betting race? And I kind of felt that way, and, and you nailed it. And uh, exactly. I mean, the four horses that we talked about in, in boxing those horses, boom, uh, they're there it was. And it paid pretty well, too, right? It paid better than I thought with the four horses yeah. that came in because, to me, 
I really only saw five horses in that race, and I kind of discounted the fifth horse, Simplification. And if you looked at the odds when the board closed, there were two horses in that race. The, the longest shot in the board, I think, was 18 to 1. Mm -hmm. And he should have been like 70 to 1. I mean, I told you there right. were two horses that had zero chance in that race, and they ran last and next to last, those two. Mm -hmm. So it made it pretty easy for us on the handicapping. So we talked about it, you know, when we were here for the for the Kentucky Derby and then last week for the Preakness. You know, there's not going to be a Triple Crown winner, as we know. The Preakness kind of lost a little bit of its luster after Rich Strike, the 80 to 1 shot, won the Kentucky Derby. And Rich Strike opting, or his owners and trainers, opting not to run him in the Preakness. Now they are set for the Belmont, which is, again, three weeks in between uh, races, uh, the second and third leg of the uh, horse racing's Triple Crown. So two weeks away, coming from tomorrow, Rich Strike will run. Are you already kind of looking at the Belmont field, and what kind of field are we going to be looking at here and size-wise? I think we're going to see a decent field here because I think most people figure the race is wide open because mm -hmm. they don't believe in what Rich Strike did. They want to see it again. And because we don't have a Triple Crown on the line, the Belmont just generally becomes another race, mm -hmm. uh, you know, any typical Saturday in a sports book. But I think there's going to be that curiosity factor. They want to see this horse run back again. They want to see if he can do that. And this is the distance he's bred for. Uh, the Preakness wasn't his distance, and they opted not to go, and it did what was right for the horse and what he's better suited for. So that's going to give us a little bit of an interest factor, and curious to see it. I'll be excited for it. Unfortunately, I won't be here in town with you that week, but uh, maybe we can do something by phone now. Okay. So if you had to make the odds right now for two weeks from now for Rich Strike in the Belmont, of course, we don't know the post position. won't know that for you know a couple days uh, before the race. What would you make him? He may get the morning line favorite just because what? he won the wait, derby. Wait a minute. But it's not, we, we talked about this three weeks ago. Like, there's no way in the world. I mean, I'm going to come out and say nine to two. Really? That yeah. low? It's just That's four and a half to one for those scoring home. It's because the people are going to look at. Now, again, two tracks do morning lines different ways. Some have a, a computer program that it's all just they, they plug it in and it mm -hmm. spits out the number. The other is done by the race, uh, the, morning, the track announcer. I, I don't know which way Belmont does it. But they look at certain factors. The factor is going to be that last race was his highest buyer. The speed from the Derby, the prestigious of that race, is going to bring his odds down. If it's the uh, track announcer doing it, he knows where he's supposed to try to say where the public's going to take it, what the board's going to be at the end. And there's going to be people that are going to bet this horse simply because he won the Derby. Just like he would have got, he would have got some money in the Preakness. He wouldn't have went off the favorite in the Preakness, but he would have got money in the Preakness. All right. Are you saying that the track announcer makes odds? The track announcers at some places do. Really? Do the a lot of people are probably going, what? what? The track announcers making making odds? They have done. I have my home track back in Pennsylvania. The track announcer did the uh, morning line for years, but now they've gone to a, a computerized system. Right. Yeah. Wow. All right, so Rich Strike, because we were talking about before that this you know horse is going to be probably double digits, you would think, you know, 10, 20 to 1, something like that. I mean, the, the, if you go the full body of work with this horse, I mean, he was 81 in the Derby for a reason. There was. And he had the perfect storm, the perfect ride, the way everything, uh, I mean, can we really see this horse winning? 
one of the things that changed since the Derby is we had the running of the Preakness. Mm -hmm. If Epicenter would have come back and won the Preakness right. and would have went on to the Belmont, then, yes, we would have had more money go to Epicenter because everybody felt Epicenter won the Derby until the last drive. Or if Epicenter would have skipped the Preakness and, and just ran the Belmont just only, ran into the Belmont probably would have been the favorite. Would have, would have no definitely doubt. been the favorite, absolutely. But even if he would won the Preakness, he would have been the favorite because now it's the rubber match, okay? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, part three, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. But he will get more money than he deserves to get. Yeah. Trust me on that. All right. Will Epicenter run? Has that been After, ruled out yet? It has not been officially ruled out. I haven't seen it yet. But if I'm them, I skip the Belmont, and I point to Travers would be my first choice. Haskell would be my second. All right. What kind of field are we looking at numbers-wise? I'm going to say you might end up with 10, 10 or 9 or 10 in this one. Okay. Because remember, it's a mile-and-a-half race. Most horses will never go that distance again. But it is... A triple crown race if you win a triple crown race when you're looking at you know your black type for your pedigree whenever you go to the breeding shed that's something that everybody wants to have on their resume if you have a horse that wins that, especially the mile and a half race because those are deemed as specialist horses going that distance if you have a sire that you know that wins the Belmont and he's standing stud and you're looking for long distance horses that's going to be a feather in his cap and on his resume all right, uh, a little horse racing and again. Congratulations to Marco for nailing it. Our, one of our horse racing experts here nailed the Preakness uh, last week. Very nicely done, my friend. All right, NBA playoffs. Uh, we're going to dive into that today as well, too. And we uh, tonight we've got game number six with the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Sam Gordon is going to join us uh, next hour. We'll talk a little NBA uh, with Sam, but uh, we're going to dive into a little bit of this right now, too, that uh, the Celtics are a eight-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Now, this line opened around seven, seven-and-a-half uh, after the destruction that Boston put on Miami in Game 5 back in Miami where it was uh, another blowout. And uh, we saw this line even go up to nine uh, at, at a few places yesterday. It's kind of settled in at eight-and-a-half. Marco, huge line here. And, you know, it feels like that the people that are making these lines and the public in general – they're already printing the NBA Finals playoff tickets with uh, the Warriors and the Celtics, you know, logos written all over those tickets already here. The way this series has been, and it's been a crazy series. Again, you know, five games, five blowouts, and if we extend it onto the Warriors-Dallas series, that's ten games, ten blowouts. I've never seen an Eastern slash Western Conference Finals where we've had every game basically a blowout. Now, sure, you may look at some final scores and see, well, that's a six-point victory. That's a ten-point victory. But as we know, every one of these games, uh, the, the winner has been up by more than 20 points. It has been insanely crazy with this, and there's a lot of reasons we'll dive into that here today. But Boston, with a chance to close it out on their home floor, is it an automatic? You would look at it on paper and say that it's automatic. If you look at the two games that Miami was able to win in this series, 
the first game, we talked about it. They were in a horrible spot in that first game. They had just come off the seven-game series against Milwaukee. They had only one day in between. So it was a horrible spot for them, and Miami took game one. The only other game that Miami won, if you look at it, you could say, did Miami win that game, or did Boston beat themselves? That's the game Boston had 23 turnovers, and for one game, Miami actually shot the, the basketball well. Uh, they have not shot well in this series at all. They have been ice cold from three. And if you look at the numbers from the last game, you can't shoot 15% from three and expect to win a ball game. You can't shoot 45 threes and expect to win a ball game. In that game, uh, Boston outscored Miami 32 to 16 in third quarter. Remember, Miami had a five-point lead. It was a slower-paced game. We're looking at this game. Okay, yeah, Miami's got a shot here. We know the winner, Game 5, usually wins you know, the series 83% of the time. Miami at home going into that game, they were 7-1 and one on their home floor. And all of a sudden, they came out of the locker room in halftime, third quarter, and all of a sudden, Miami stayed in the locker room. I don't get it. I mean, Boston, like I said, outscored them 32-16, and that was it. Fourth quarter, Miami played them pretty even, but that one quarter just destroyed this team and probably are going to send them packing for, for the series. And again, this series has been crazy the way we've seen it, where it's just blowout after blowout. You talk about the, you know, the shooting has been, a, you know, abysmal. I mean, you look at that game where, where Boston beat, um, uh, you know, Miami, where the Miami starters were held to 18 points. That's it. When Boston won that game, uh, game four, uh, 102 to 82. But I go back to game three, the the first game in Boston. Miami came out and blitzed Boston on their home floor. And it was never in doubt. And to just see these type of, of swings from one game to the other, it's been very hard to predict this, this series. Well, one of the things that's hurt Miami is they're not healthy, okay? Jimmy Butler's not 100%. Kyle Lowry, they only got 24 minutes out of him in the last game and zero points. You're not going to win a game with no production from Kyle Lowry. Uh, Jimmy Butler was just 4 of 18 shooting in that game. There's so many areas that if Miami just improves some, they can make this game competitive. And we talk about the line. The line is the great equalizer. Yes, on paper, Miami uh, looks like they have no shot. But if you look at what this line has gone from when they played game three and four here earlier in this series to what the line is now, we're talking about, you know, a two and a half, three point difference in the line. And that doesn't seem like a lot. But as you know, and I know, when you're going to cover a spread late, two, two and a half points, three points can be a ton. And if Miami can stay in this game early, they can stay in it all the way. I think the first quarter is going to be huge for Miami. They got to come out, take that first blow from the uh, Celtics. If they withstand that first, because you know the crowd's going to be wild to close it out at home in the Garden. But I think they can stay in the number. I did use uh, Miami tonight as a small play, uh, not a big play, just a small play for my clients. But we've gone very well in the playoffs. I'm, I'm 23 and 10. I've been selective, but I took Miami tonight. Mm -hmm. This is one of these games, injury, you know, like so the whole series has been, like you said, kind of injuries have been a big story, more so in Miami. Earlier on, it was about Boston. But now, as we approach tip-off here in a couple hours, we're hearing that actually Boston may be more injured than Miami 
And, you know, the, the Williams situation is up in the air here. Uh, and moving forward, you know, whoever gets out of this series against the Warriors who are, I don't want to say they're relatively healthy, but they're more healthy than either one of these teams here. But are you buying into the fact that, that Miami may be a little bit more healthy than Boston for game six? I'm not totally buying that. What I will buy is if Boston does have a couple players nicked up, Miami has a deeper bench because they've had to use that bench more. That would help Miami for sure. Um, I got a couple stats for you, too, in this game. You know, we know how good Boston has been, but one thing that's been a trade of Boston the last three seasons, if they're coming off back-to-back -back wins of 10 points or mo more, this team is just 2-11 and 11 against the spread. So it's like, you know. That, that's I, worth a play right there. <laughs> I, if, you know, but this is the playoffs, and yeah. it's a closeout game. So you've got to put an asterisk there, you know. Mm -hmm. During the regular season, that, that was a great angle because this is a team that I like to use my phrase, how many times you've heard me say it, you know, fat and sassy. They come off two big wins and then a little bit lackadaisical performance. Another stat that uh, benefits Miami tonight, when they're playing in back-to-back -back revenge games, if they lost to the same opponent twice, they're 10-2 and two against the spread this season. They have not lost three in a row to, to the same team uh, all season. So, We'll look at that with them and uh, see if we can get the get the job done. This might be one, uh, you know, I always give you, uh, you know, grief about the teasers and stuff, but this might be <laughs> one where not suggesting a teaser, but maybe Boston on the money line and mm -hmm. uh, take Miami uh, plus the points. And then you got a lot of room in-game that you can do stuff if, if for some reason Miami does get mm -hmm. off to a quick start, you're going to see adjusted line in the game. You might want to come back then and look at some Boston money. You know, we talk about the blowouts in this series specifically. Five games, five blowouts. Doesn't necessarily mean that the favorites have covered in every game. Actually, there were two blowouts where the dogs yeah. won the game outright and blew out uh, the opposition. And that basically happened in games two and three where Boston blew out Miami 127-102, and Boston was, um, you know, the underdog in that game, and then Miami, um, you know, won, you know, 109-103, even though that game, that was the game I was talking about. It was only six points, but, I mean, they just, they, they blasted them, and Boston put together this meaningless run basically in the fourth quarter with a lot of Miami starters were out of that game, and, uh, they, you know, they were a dog in that game, uh, I believe a six-point dog, and they, and, and they, they won outright and covered. So, it doesn't necessarily mean that just because it's a blowout that the favorite is going to win here. It doesn't. And the one thing that you said earlier, and it's been true throughout both series, it seems like one quarter has determined each of these games. That, that one team gets that one big quarter, and then, you know, they ride it, you know, to the finish line. With the exception, now, we haven't mentioned the total. And this has been an under, under series so far for the most part. Uh, with the exception of the first two games, I believe, in uh, Miami, where if you look at coming off of the Milwaukee series, they scored points in that game because I felt Boston was physically drained. They weren't going at, you know, hard-nosed defense, and they were behind from the start in that game. Here's a spot where tonight this looks like a stone-cold under, but because it is a closeout game, I always fear 
taking the under and close out games because, and we saw it, if you remember a couple weeks ago, uh, the Phoenix-Dallas uh, one. That was probably the worst beat in the history of bad beats as far as unders go because that game was so one-sided. Both teams quit playing defense, and it was, I mean, they didn't even have 70 points at halftime, did right. they, 70 or 80 points? And it ended up going over the total right. because they had a 71-point fourth quarter where it looked like an NBA All-Star game. And those are the type of things you, you fear. You also fear that the team losing, if they're even if they're within 10 or 12 points, they'll keep fouling because there's no tomorrow. Yeah. In the uh, season or the age of the three, and again, the combined you know, 70 to 80 point, three point shots that both teams put up, 202 is the total in this game. That is a very low total. Uh, and like you said, I mean, a lot of these games have been going over, not uh, necessarily in this series, but we've been seeing we see totals, you know, two, you know, above 210 and 220 and that sort of thing. 202 is a very low total for uh, this modern age of basketball. It is, but this is a throwback series to to the old days. This is like, uh, you know, the old days in a Boston Garden. I wonder if they have the air conditioning on. Remember the Lakers? <laughs> yes, <series>? exactly, exactly. <laughs> but we did mm-hmm. see, if you remember earlier on in this series, uh, where uh, they kept having to to mop the floor and everything because mm-hmm. I'm going, are the Boston Bruins still playing? They kept yeah, saying, well, you know, there's ice underneath here. I go, are, are, are the Bruins I'm playing? Sorry, yeah. what, are you, what are you talking about in Boston? <laughs> but look at this, Marco. I mean, 118-107 game one, over. 127-102 game two, over. 109-103, over. Uh, game four, under, 102-82. And then uh, game five, 93-80, under. So it's only been under the last two games. It has been, but like that one middle game was right there at the right. number. Just just right. got over it in right. the last few seconds. But that wasn't, a, that wasn't a 202. I mean, 109-103, that was like right around like 211, 210, yeah. something like 212 or whatever. Yeah. But this is a spot where they're shooting so bad, and if Jimmy Butler's not 100%, if Kyle Lowry's not 100%, where does the scoring come from? That's the problem. You got you need two teams to get an over most of the time. It, you know, it, not just one team is going to get you the over. So, you know, that's the the thing. And as cold as they've been, whenever they miss a shot, Boston's not pushing the ball up the floor. Okay, mm-hmm. if you get a long rebound, they're not you know hitting the quick transition and you know clearing the ball out and going down the other end. Both teams are comfortable with the slower pace. I don't think that benefits Miami. If I'm Miami, I would try to go a faster pace. The problem is if you don't have enough healthy bodies to play that game, you can't, and then you're playing into Boston's uh, wheelhouse, in my opinion. The, in a lot of this, I'm going to give you a stat here, and the stat is kind of skewed a little bit because Tyler Hero uh, you know, has been out. But Celtic starters are outscoring the Heat starters by 102 points. Celtic starters have scored 388 total points. So uh, when those starters are on, uh, that's crazy. Here's another little fun fact for you. And uh, not not sure a lot of people would believe this, but uh, Jason Tatum has tied Larry Bird for the fastest to 1,500 postseason points in Celtics history. You would have you won a bar bet with me. You would <laughs> right? have asked me that I, one. I should have, I should have, darn it, I should have put some chicken on the line yeah. there, and I should have phrased it like, uh, you know, a little trivia challenge there. Isn't that crazy? And, again, it goes to the difference of, of the errors because of the number of points being scored mm-hmm. more so now. But, yeah, Larry the Legend against, yeah, I, no, I would have lost that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you're not losing many, my friend. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. But, uh, yes, this series and most series that we've seen here in the postseason, really, the, the blowouts are really correlated to the three-point shot. I mean, you put up tons of them. If you hit them, you're going to win in probably blowout fashion. And if you put up a lot of threes and you're not connecting like we saw with, you know, uh, We've seen with the, the Celtics, we saw it with the Heat. Uh, we've seen that with Dallas in this series. You're going to get blown out, plain and simple. And we go back to, to Miami, 7 for 45 in the last game from beyond the arc. 7 for 45. Number one, it's insane that a team is putting up 45 shots, especially a team like Miami, because they're really not known as being a great three-point shooting team. But you're going to live by the three, die by the three. They died by the three. 7 for 45, do the math there, Marco, 16%. Horrendous. It is. And the, but you go the game before that in Boston was just 8 to 34. Yes. Okay, so uh, there's no there it is. There's, there's no rhyme or reason. And that, those teams what, are getting blown out. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Ten blowouts in ten games. If we look at the, what the Dallas and, and Gold State did as well, too. Not one competitive game. I don't know about you, but I cannot remember the last time I've watched conference finals. Eastern Conference and Western Conference, you know, during the course of, you know, the week and a half that these games go, that we have not seen one competitive game. What does that say about the state of basketball or the state of the NBA right now? It, it's not a good look. Uh, I mean, you, you watch the Twitter timeline every night and everybody's just complaining, blow out, you know, what they would give for one close game. We got spoiled in the NCAA tournament. I mean, remember all those games that were going Absolutely. down to, you know, yeah. and we haven't seen that. Hopefully, we'll get a good finals. Hopefully, we get all hands on deck, whoever it will be. It looks like it's going to be Golden State and Boston, you know. Golden State closed them out last night. I know, you know, we've covered a few of the games on the shows that I've been on with you. Um, I didn't, you, I didn't play anything in last night's game. I didn't know. I leaned to Golden State, but I didn't want to lay the points, and I really didn't have anything that I liked enough to hook them in a money line parlay. And but I did use Dallas the game before. I didn't think they were going to get swept on their floor. And I know a lot of times that that's kind of an urban myth that teams that go down 3-0 uh, just as easily get swept. But I think with everything that happened that day in Dallas, um, I thought we were going to get a big effort out of the Mavericks, and we did. Now, moving forward, we've talked about it. If it is Boston, who do you, who do you like for the series? Boston and Golden State. I like, I'm, I like, I love, not only like, I love Golden State no matter who they face off. And I understand that you're looking at a Boston team that is arguably the best defense uh, in the NBA right now. And I know a lot of people in the media are going to make a big deal of this. Hey, we've got the best offense in Golden State against the best defense in Boston. They're going to give the Warriors problems. The Warriors have faced tough defenses, not just this year, but they, they've faced it. Uh, you know, over the years, especially in the Curry, Thompson, Green era. I got something for you. Here's the man, the myth. The oracle has spoken. The mouth. You hear me talking? T.C. Martin. Back at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas on this fabulous Friday. Get ready for Memorial Day weekend, three-day weekend. You got to love it. A lot of people here in town, locals having a good time as well, too. Of course, inside the sportsbook here, powered by William Hill, 
And uh, we're talking a little NBA Finals tonight. Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal will join us next hour. Sam, of course, covers uh, basketball, the NBA, along with the Aces, and just about everything, including the Raiders. So we'll talk all of the above with Sam the Man Gordon when he joins us next hour. Marco D'Angelo, wagertalk.com, and of course, one of our regulars, our, I want to say, our handicapper extraordinaire, horse racing guru, and now I'm about ready to, uh, I guess, uh, saint him as maybe a fried chicken connoisseur as well, too. <laughs> so there you go. Did I miss anything? No, I think you covered it. I think I covered it very nicely, Dad. All right, so Heat, Celtics, the line went down as we spoke here. I mean, all this love for the Heat I drove it down from 8.5 to 8 here. So there I you go, Mark. That was the love for me. Yeah, well, I, I, probably so. Probably so. All right, so back to the Warriors. You were asking me um, about the next, the next round here. You know, if it is the Celtics and if it's the Warriors, who do, who do I favor and why? And I do favor the Warriors. I, I favor the Warriors against either Miami or the Celtics. And I know a lot of people already, like I said, they're, they're printing those playoff tickets that have the Celtics logo on it right now. We'll see what happens with Miami tonight because if Miami can replicate that Game 3 performance that they did in Boston, which still sticks fresh in my mind, then you never know. We could have a Game 7. Anything can happen. The Warriors are going to get uh, more healthy. If the Warriors continue to get maybe a week off here, Otto Porter Jr. gets healthy. You know, Other guys get healthy as well, too. Uh, but I just really love the way the Warriors are playing. And a lot of people make uh, the case about, well, Boston has this great defense. I don't know. I haven't seen that defense from Boston, specifically in that game three that I talked about, where they basically did whatever they wanted to do. And, you know, going back to the Milwaukee series, Giannis had games where he did whatever he wanted to do. So I don't know about you, but I'm not as sold on the Boston defense as a lot of other people. Okay, I'll play devil's advocate with you, and I'll come back and go, Hasn't Golden State caught a break in each of their series so far? I think Memphis was a very tough defensive. That was a physical series. It more, was. More so than Dallas, no question. And they had their superstar out for the final, what, two, three games of that series? Yeah. yeah. All right, so they caught a major break there. Um, the first series, again, Denver. Denver, they weren't 100% healthy. Well, they were just missing Jamal Murray. But, but still, they had the MVP in Jokic. They're, they did. That could be debatable. But anyway, uh, whether he's an Let's MVP or not. But yeah, yeah, no problem. In this series, we know Clay's going to, any series, Clay's going to get his points. Steph's going to get his points. Wiggins was a big part of this series. The matchup was not good for Dallas against him. Do you see that same success for Wiggins being as big of a contributor as he was in this series going against the Boston defense. I think it's a different matchup, probably tougher matchup. You're right with that. But I think the Warriors can hit you with so many different directions. I mean, obviously we talk about the guard play and you talk about Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and, you know, what you're going to get in Jordan Poole, fantastic. Jason Tatum is obviously a huge threat for Boston. Uh, Al Horford, I think him and Draymond Green uh, can can maybe X each other out. But here's where the Warriors get interesting, and they can get lethal, and no one accounts for guys like Kayvon Looney and people like that. You mentioned Wiggins. Uh, the Warriors can, can bring two or three other bigs off the bench, which we've seen them do last night. I mean, you know, bringing one of the bigs that hadn't played the entire series. And then you get guys like Moody who came in and just uh, contributed from a guard position as well too. The Warriors are so deep, and this is what I love about this team. Steve Kerr has made it a point during the course of the season to 
rotate his guys in and get him in. And, you know, perfect example last night where we saw a couple guys get in uh, the game last night and even the game before that hadn't been in all series long, and they came in, they contributed when the Warriors had injuries or got into foul, uh, you know, trouble. So I just think the Warriors can can hurt you in so many ways, uh, more so than Boston. And if we're factoring the factoring in the injury factor here as well too, then you know I say advantage Warriors. But I mean, when you get guys like uh, Belika who comes in here and delivered the minutes that he did last night, are are you kidding me? I mean, and then uh, the game before, Toscano Anderson. We haven't seen this guy. And then Kaminga. We're raving about Kaminga in the last series. Kaminga got like one minute of play last night. So, I mean, it doesn't matter who it is. I mean, they are just so hard to defend and home court advantage warriors as they're going to have the home court advantage in the series. By the way, 8-0 at home in the playoffs. They are. Um, we talked about it in the early series with Golden State, and you would think that it would not be a factor in the NBA Finals because if you can't bring it every night in the NBA Finals, you got bigger problems. But we've seen it too often in the earlier rounds, whether the Warriors are bored or, or what, just you know, getting to the next step. They've thrown some clunkers in during the playoffs that you say, wow, is this really a championship team? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. every series they had at least one of those. Yeah. And a couple of them they had two. Yeah. And that's a little bit alarming for me. Yeah. It is, but I think as it goes deeper and you have more of an unfamiliar opponent like you do with the Boston Celtics, mm-hmm. when was the last time we saw a Warriors have a meltdown in an NBA Finals? I mean, you really can't go back that you had any of those type of games where they get blown out by, where they're down by 29 or 30 points, yeah. or if you go to the Memphis game, 50 points, especially when you're up, you know, 3 nothing, which yeah. was the, the situation in both those series. So, yeah, yeah, they do get a little bit lackadaisical. More importantly, they get careless with the basketball. That's more, you know, we talked to Jim Barnett, who's covered the Warriors. Well, he's a former Warrior player, of course. You know, that 75 championship team with Rick Barry and those guys, and he's been uh, the television analyst for 30 plus years and Jim says we've been seeing this for a long time and he goes they just it's not so much that they show up and say we're not going to play tonight that's what the public likes to say it's just that they get careless with the basketball and once they get careless with the basketball the turnovers lead to 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 easy runouts and easy buckets for the other team then they find themselves down by 20 or not then they start launching threes if they're not hitting then 20 could balloon up to 30 then it's game over so I think it's it's more of the turnover factor what did we notice last night with the Warriors? Extreme care with the basketball last night. I believe they had under 10 turnovers last night, which is phenomenal. And Draymond Green has been the biggest culprit, right? He was pretty clean last night, and he has been during the last two or three games of this series. Oh, they definitely were a focused team last night. And if you saw Steve Kerr's post-game interview after um, the game before, that's what made me lean to Golden State last night. I just couldn't get over the hump. I mean, with everything that happened the day before, you know, that uh, the last game and that, they came out focused and they took care of business. And if they have that throughout, yes, they're going to be tough to beat. But, you know, again, the great equalizer is going to be that point spread. And I don't think it's going to be a slam dunk for the Warriors. I don't see them, you know, as a, a sweep for sure. This is a series that if they go, if Boston's healthy, if they close it out tonight, and like you said, get a, almost a full week of rest, 
this is a series that could go six or seven games for sure. How would you let's look ahead here and say it is the Celtics and the Warriors? What do you make that series price? <sighs> because of the name, uh, you're you're gonna have Golden State as a, you gotta pay a little premium, don't you're you? You're gonna have to pay premium. Are are we gonna be talking 240, 260 or more? I'm, I was thinking right around that 230, 240 mark. I'm thinking, yeah. you know, again, think but but Boston, again, is is a very public and popular team. And, you know, when you look at Jason Tatum and what Brown can do as well, too, I mean, they're going to get some love. They are going to get some East Coast love. They're going to get the East Coast love. And this isn't your father's Boston Celtics no, uh, to go there. Yeah. And I think that. A lot of people are going to, and it's our job as, you know, sports talk guys, and, and we bet the rookie coach is, that's going to that's gonna be yeah. brought up ad nauseum with this match. So look at this. Miami was the number one seed in the East, right? Had home court advantage in this series. If it's Miami and Golden State, I still believe that if, you know, that that series price would be a lot longer odds yes. than Boston, even though the Boston is the, the two seed. So I think it, it'll be a tighter price if it's Boston more so than Miami, which is a little bit odd in theory. But, again, that it, it's it's the public team Boston. It's the explosiveness that we see with the Boston offense, and there is this talk about the Boston defense. There is, and let's be honest, over the last month of the season, Boston played better basketball than Miami. So, yeah. I mean, Miami was the number one seed, but Boston was playing great basketball at the right time of the season. Right. We always talk about you don't want to peak too soon. You want to enter the playoffs healthy and all of that. When you think of Miami, unfortunately, yes, they have Kyle Lowry, but when you think of Miami, all you think about, it's Jimmy Butler and company, okay? Yeah. It, it, you think of them as a one-dimensional show, as Jimmy Butler goes, so do the Heat. Mm-hmm. And when you think of the Warriors, there's so many weapons, mm-hmm. you know. And if Clay's not hitting, Curry's hitting, mm-hmm. vice versa. And then all of a sudden, like we've seen in this series, you got Wiggins step up, and then Draymond can always, you know, he can always surprise you with points yeah. you're not expecting. Yeah, and like I said, and then Looney and other guys like that. But you know, on the contrary too, Boston. Don't we think of Boston as Tatum and everybody else? Pretty much, uh, but as you said, with the starting lineup, you did that comparison of Boston to Miami, the starting lineup. It's so lopsided because they are getting scoring spread out. But then you go to the second level and look at the bench players in that, and Miami's beating them on the bench. Right. All right, we'll talk a little bit more about this uh, in hour number two uh, when Sam Gordon joins us. But let's talk a little baseball right now as well too and uh, of course we're heading into the memorial day weekend uh always a great time marco because we have nba playoffs but we've got you know still meaningful baseball games in in may uh you know we've got a lot of top heavy teams you know right now that are playing well the astros and the yankees especially there in the american league we've got uh, a lot of teams that are playing some some very good uh, baseball in the national league you've got the dodgers And then you really don't have much middle ground right now. You've got about six or seven, eight really good baseball teams. And then you've got about seven or eight or ten really bad teams that are like below, you know, 400 right now. And there's there's not many that are in the medium range right now, which is a little bit strange for a baseball season that basically is approaching, you know, two months here. 
But uh, I love Memorial Day weekend. Of course, I love the barbecue. I love the food. I love watching my baseball. Mix in the NBA with that as well, too. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a great time. And uh, I know you and I both have had uh, some pretty good success, uh, you know, betting baseball. Um, there's a couple of games I really like tonight, uh, and that's not the case every day. You know, there, there's, yesterday I really couldn't make a case for much on the card. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about baseball here with tonight's games and maybe a, a little look ahead to the weekend, but who we really like today. Well, one of the games I used today was the Toronto matchup against the Angels. Now, Toronto did grab the first game of the series last night, knocked off the big gun, you know, Atani for the Angels, but they got a pitcher on the mound tonight in uh, Manoa. This guy has been absolutely unbelievable if you've looked at what he's done this year um this guy all he does is go out he's like a machine he's going to generally go six or more innings he's going to give up two runs or less and you just got to go out there and score three runs and you're going to win the game and that's what they've been doing with him and he's matched up against the pitcher against the angels um uh, chase uh silseth silseth yeah and he pitched very well in his first game, which uh, happened to be on the show with you that day. We took the under that first. Uh, and we also took the under on the time of the game because <laughs> this guy will just maneuver through a game. You talk about Manoa being a machine. This guy is a machine because he'll release the ball within 10 or 12 seconds. So, you know what? If you, if you got, like, Friday night, date night, looking to go get some food or something, you make a late reservation. This game should be over in, in two and a half hours, maybe even less, if Seth is, is going deep because which is kind of refreshing. But anyway, on a side note, this is what I know this guy from. Well, he pitched very well in that first game. The second game, he did not pitch as well. Now, one thing that I will note about that second game is he pitched against the same team in back-to-back starts. And an angle we talk about all the time on your your show, TC, is pitchers do have an advantage over the hitters first time through Mm -hmm. the league. Well, obviously, if you're pitching against the same team in back-to-back starts, that's definitely negated in the second one. And he got, you know, roughed up a little bit in the, the second second one. Now, tonight, um, he's going to be facing the, or excuse me, Toronto for the first time. But because the pitcher that I'm looking at has been pitching so well, I can't help but uh, look at Toronto. They got, you know, both lineups are loaded mm-hmm. offensively. But if you're looking at a pitcher, even if he's going good for the Angels, you're talking about maybe five innings tops. And yep. then you get into the Angel bullpen. And I don't know about you, but uh, you know my heart cringes anytime I see the Angel bullpen. So uh, I'm going to go Toronto full game here. Mm-hmm. Normally with a pitcher this dominant, you might think about a first five-inning wager. But because he goes deeper than most, this is a guy that is pitching six or get to the seventh inning. I like, and Toronto does have an edge in the bullpen. I'll go full full game with that. That, that is a good handicap. I mean, you know, the Blue Jays' bullpen isn't great by any stretch either, no. but but it's better than, than the Angels. And the Blue Jays are, are hitting the ball now. Yeah. I mean, they were really slumping. Springer let off the game with a homer last night. Uh, Guerrero went deep as well, too. Uh, these guys are more than capable. And, 
And I had said it's just a matter of time before the, the Jays' offense starts coming alive, and it looks like they are. And this Angels team, I, I don't want to hear about the Angels. I don't want to hear about Joe Madden. I've never wanted to hear about Joe Madden. I mean, come on. This thing is this team is so streaky. They lost four in a row last week. Then they come back and win a couple games in a row. Now they're on the way a two or three game losing streak. Now again here, I think two in a row. But uh, and again, a lot of it is correlated with pitching. And if you're going to get performances by Otani on the mound like that last night, then then forget about this team. And we're seeing them regress. We've seen the Astros go on the surge, and we've seen the A's and the Mariners, not even the Angels you know, drop down here a little bit. I think this is Houston's uh, division just to coast with. And people just two, three weeks ago are like, oh, well, the Angels, watch out for the Angels. No, forget this Angel team. It's been that story for the last 10 years with the Angels. Doesn't matter who the manager is, but here's just an off-the-wall question. If the Angels don't close that gap this year, are are we going to be – do we cut ties? Do we finally – you know, I think – you know, Joe Madden, he had all those great years yeah. at Tampa, but he could never get over the hump there. Right, right. Is this a guy that is overrated? I, I've always said that. I and mean, Joe Madden is more into Joe Madden. He's a guy that wants to be, you know, avant-garde, as I like to use that word, <laughs> and think that he's smarter than the game of baseball. He's the joker that started, you know, this whole stuff about, Bullpen you know, let's, let's bat the pitcher eighth yeah. instead of ninth. He was that joker. And then, of course, let's go with the opener, and I'm going to get into the bullpen, and all this kind of stuff. And people go, oh, wow, this is good. And Kevin Cash, lap, lap, you know, because he was a lap dog of Joe yeah. Madden. You know, and no, it's just he's always trying to outsmart himself. Uh, you know, now with the Otani thing, and you know, we're going to make him a pitcher and going to have him lead off and this and that. I mean, this guy's wearing down, it just seems like so. Yeah, it, it could be, it could be, but I think you know, he's got a big long deal with it with the Angels there. Uh, they love him because remember, he started his career there with the Angels, he was a coach and all that sort of thing. So, I don't know. A uh, couple games I like, Mark. I want to get your take on this. All right, Cleveland against Detroit tonight. All right, so uh, you've got Shane Bieber going against Alex uh, Fideo. Fideo got called up three weeks ago. This guy's a career minor leaguer. He's been up for four years, never been in a Major League Baseball game until a couple weeks ago. He had Tommy John surgery back in 2020. Basically, he was projected to be uh, pitching double-A and even triple-A this year, but they had to bring him up due to nine Tiger pitchers being on the IL. So he's had four career starts. Last start. He got his first win. Congratulations. That's good. Uh, and guess who that was against? The Cleveland, well, Guardians. I want to say Indians against Cleveland, who they play tonight, right? If you dive into that game, he wasn't very good at all against Cleveland in his last start where he got the win. Went five and a third, gave up six hits, only two strikeouts, two base on balls. Here's the telling tale of that game, Marco. Do you know how many stranded runners Cleveland left on base in that game? Fifteen. 15. That is beyond normal, right? They just couldn't score any runs. So Bieber was the pitcher in that game. I am a big guy, call it bounce back, zigzag, whatever, but a guy who pitches well enough and and is a hard luck loser, which Shane Bieber was in that game. He went seven innings, gave up only one hit, 12 strikeouts, you know, and uh, he was was solid. He was really, really solid in that game. Tonight, he gets back his, I think, and I think it's a great spot for uh, Cleveland. I'll throw another little fun fact for you. Last year, he pitched against Detroit. That was his, his previous start against the Tigers going back. Last year, seven innings, one hit, 12 strikeouts. Oh, you know what the date was that that game was played? 
May 27th. <laughs> What's the date today, Marco? May 27th. There it is. And the game was at Detroit. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and then this, then he had another outing before that, which was opening day. He struck out 13 against the Tigers. And uh, so his last six starts against the Tigers, he has struck out 10 or more in every one of those games. Now, I know, know that strikeouts don't always equate to to wins, but Bieber is, is, is a good pitcher. Looks like he's back to me. I don't want no part of Fido, Fideo, whatever we're going to call him. Great spot for the Indians, or the Guardians here. The Guardians, it is. Uh, uh, I didn't use that game tonight, but what you, did we just talk about earlier in the show? Mm. This is a back-to-back start Yes. for the Detroit pitcher, which they just saw him in the last start. So any advantage he had in that first game, he doesn't have tonight. So Correct. I have to give you my you know, seal of approval, yes, stamp, stamp endorsement, you yeah. know. Right. I can't argue it. Maybe okay. I have to run to the window and make a play. Okay. So if we want to do the the money line, the two-team parlay routine, mm-hmm. where we usually tag a favorite on here, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to maybe do this tonight. Well, uh, and you can join me because we, we, we do like talking about this. Um, Houston against Seattle tonight. I knew you were going. You knew I was going to I knew you were going to go. Well, because Verlander hasn't given up a Thank run. Thank you. Thank okay, you. In, in how long? I, and I said this on my baseball show this morning that you can catch <laughs> on YouTube. There's a plug there, the, our MLB show that uh, is on YouTube on uh, BetUS TV. I'm going to simplify it, Marco. <laughs> this is simplify it for all baseball betters or to make it so easy. This is all about the pitching. Justin Verlander, 6-1. and one. Chris Flexen going tonight for Seattle. Ham and egg Flexen, one and six. <laughs> Verlander, an ERA of 1.22. Flexen, 499. Let's call it five, right? Verlander, as you mentioned, my friend, perfectly. No earned runs. Has not given up a earned run in his last three starts. That's covered 19 innings, scoreless. By the way, he's 2-0 this year against Seattle. If you want to go back to last year, Verlander made one start because, remember, he got hurt. Got injured. That was, that was it. All right? He's... That victory was against Seattle. So he's 3-0 against Seattle. Flexen on the flip side has given up 14 earned runs in his last three starts. Uh, a five-run, three-run outing, given up six runs in his last three. By the way, against Houston, he's 0-2 this year against Houston. And uh, both the scores were 4-0 in that game. If you want to go back to his couple starts last year, okay, 0-4. And actually, there's a fifth game where... He started, but he didn't get the the decision. So in games that Seattle has played against Houston where he started, they're 0-5. So, by the way, Houston swept Seattle three weeks ago. Advantage pitching Houston. Advantage at the plate Houston. Advantage fielding Houston. I'm just going to say this. If you are not betting the Houston Astros tonight, don't bet on baseball. Don't bet on baseball because it's right in front of you. Everything I gave you, huge pitching disparity. Oh, can I throw this one in? Seattle record this month, 7-21. and 21. Astros are healthy. They're hitting the ball all over the yard. This is all Houston right in front of you. You want to lay $2? Okay, no problem. Run line, which I'm going to do, no problem. Visiting team, I get my nine at-bats, minus 120. If you're... If you want to bet baseball, this is the game to bet. And if you lose, it's going to be one of these kind of things. It's going to be freakish. But there's no guarantee. But how can anyone bet the Seattle Mariners if you look at this game? You can't. And generally when you have a game like this that's such a mismatch, 
if you lose the play, it's going to be one of those ones where you lose it two to one. That yeah, Flexen it's late pitch, bullpen, something like that, right? Flexen yeah. pitches, you know, Don't, out of here, his mind. Knock on wood, jinx. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> throw the jinx out. Okay. But I, I cannot argue with you at all. There's another way you could play that game if you wanted to bring the price down a little bit too. If you don't want to lay uh, the whole, you could lay first five innings mm-hmm. minus a half a run and get it down to like 140. Mm-hmm. Right. Is is another way to go, and I'll do right. that a lot of times with a pitching mismatch because, as you said, sometimes you get a situation where that other pitcher rises to the occasion because he's going against an absolute stud in Verlander. So he rises to the occasion and he duels him for, you know, five innings and it's like, a you know, a, you know a 2-1 score. And then, you know, Verlander goes out in the eighth inning or something and right. some ham and egger comes in and <laughs> screws it yeah, up Luckily, for Houston does have a, a good bullpen. But, yeah. you know, again, yeah, Seattle's really been strong. I'm going to make this statement right now, Mark. I'm going to say it. Justin Verlander is going to win two awards come September, October. Cy Young and what Cy Young and Comeback Player of the Year. I definitely would be, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, what this guy has been through and how he's come back from that surgery at age 38 automatically. And, and Cy Young Award. Look what he's done so far this year. It's just been amazing. And hopefully he gets a World Series ring as well, too. And I cash a future <laughs> ticket. <laughs> At 12 to 1, mind you. We know you love Houston. Me and Mattress Mac. <laughs> uh, I, I, I love Houston. Yes, I do. I love Houston the last few years. Let's okay. be clear. I've never liked Houston before. I go where my man Dusty Baker is. But no, th- this is a great team. And, and we know that. And we've had success betting on Houston. I say we because I, I, I know you have as well, too. I have to. Yeah. They've played with a chip on their shoulder the last couple years. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, those are some baseball games. Uh, real quick, one more, real quick before we go to the break. I did a hey, money. I did a money line parlay, yeah. San Francisco, Minnesota. It actually brings back plus money. Okay. Oh, if we do the Cleveland uh, minus one fifty and Astros minus two dollars plus one fifty on that two team parlay. Mine's so, plus one thirty four. Okay, so, so you know what I'm saying. So yeah. that's you know advocate that as well too. All right, Sam Gordon scheduled to join us coming up next as we talk a little NBA. Marco D'Angelo in the house. Appreciate him. We are live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. T.C. Martin Show, getting you ready for this three-day Memorial Day weekend from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Capital of the world. Bring your lunch. It's the TC Martin Show. With the flex of the muscles. Diagnosis. Look at that. Oh my goodness. Prognosis. So he does a lot of things out on the floor, including dunk. Osmosis. Wow, he can really bounce off the floor. It's the doctor. Oh, the we got a five-point game. Three minutes to go. TC Martin. Okay. Hour number two on this Friday live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. T.C. Martin with you. Oh, yes, inside the sportsbook powered by William Hill. Get on over here. Plenty of sports action on the docket today. We've got NBA playoffs tonight. The Heat and the Celtics. It's a elimination game for the Miami Heat. Closeout game for the Celtics. The line currently sitting at eight right now. And uh, look forward to the winner of this game. <laughs> Potentially facing the Golden State Warriors. That's if the Celtics win tonight. 
If the uh, Heat win, they're going to force a Game 7 coming your way on Sunday. Meanwhile, the Warriors, they're kicking back in San Francisco, in the Bay Area at home, waiting for the winner as they dispose of the Dallas Mavericks last night. So we'll talk a little more NBA. Sam Gordon joining us from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Marco D'Angelo in the house, wagertalk.com. Make sure that you check Margo out, uh, Marco out on uh, Twitter. He's a great follow on Twitter, Marco in Vegas, and uh, at wagertalk.com for Marco selections. It doesn't matter. Football, basketball, baseball, uh, maybe even some croquet in there as well. I don't know if Marco's going to have any action tomorrow on uh, the Champions Cup final. Real Madrid and Liverpool, we had a, uh, uh, a loyal listener in here with his, his fine young lady asking uh, about that game. Uh, you got a cap on that game, Marco? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> what is the most obscure thing that uh, you handicap? Are you just one of the, the, the four main sport guys? I'm the four main sport guys. Yeah. And no, horses. no cricket? No cricket. No cricket? No cricket. No KBO? Did you do the KBO when we had the pandemic? I did not, but we actually have a guy at our site uh, at Wager Talk. He was, an, he was a scout in Japan for uh, a baseball team here in the U.S., Arizona, and he is now handicapping uh, KBO, Asian Baseball for us. Yeah. That's, it does very well. That's good if you're like a night owl like yourself and Scott Spritzer at 2.30 in the morning because yeah, that's when those games go. I know, yeah. It's like 2.33, <laughs> yeah. I go, what's going on here? No, yeah. I'm sorry. Do, do you do – and Scott and I had this long conversation about – certain guys, you know, what their routines are. Now, he's like a late-night handicapper. Oh, He'll just, stay up late and do it. What, what is your routine? No, I'm a, we, I'm were, a we were talking about this, about different handicappers having different routines. I, I know Scott well. And I – was Scott going to be here today? No. Okay. But <laughs> the, No, he, he was not scheduled today. No. But, uh, today was your day. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Scott and I, uh, we used to text back and forth uh, late at night when yeah. I used to work with Scott at, you know, a few years back, yeah. And yeah, he he is a definite night owl, and uh, uh, many have a little cocktail maybe while you're working, and uh, yeah, so work there. it's do, quiet. Do, at that do, time. do you shut it down your handicapping like eight nine o'clock at night, or, or are you an early oh, no. morning guy? No, I'm well, I'm a late night. I started up so, at like midnight. Okay, so you're okay. Yeah. You got you're just like okay. I get more done from midnight to two a.m. Yeah. You know than I do because there's. All kinds of distractions, thinking, but you got to wait till the morning and update lineups and everything Correct. like that. All right. But you get all the groundwork done. Go to wagertalk.com, subscribe to Marco's picks. Uh, he's one of the best, and uh, again, uh, fortunate to have him part of our team here on the show. All right, speaking of a part of our team here and guys that also like staying up late, except this next guy, he's staying up late writing, or he's, uh, you know, he's, he's hobnobbing, getting all these interviews with all these, uh, you know, athlete superstars that are hanging in the club. That's what I'm talking about, the one and only Sam Gordon, Las Vegas Review Journal. What's going on, man? TC, happy Friday. How right back at you, man. How, how you doing on this weekend? You ready for Memorial it? Memorial Day weekend. We got NBA playoffs. We got a big fight tomorrow in New York City. A lot going on. I'm, I'm happy. I'm, we do. I'm we happy. do. We got Tank Davis going. Absolutely. You know, tomorrow One of the biggest night. stars at box office, right? Can't miss that. Yeah. So, yeah. Super exciting. And, of course, a big game six tonight in Boston, mm -hmm. uh, in Boston, Miami, Boston, to see who's going to play the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. So it's a great sports weekend, great weekend in Vegas, beautiful weather, mm -hmm. summertime's here. Life is good. Are you a barbecue guy on the weekend, or, or what's are, your story? Are you having one? Are you hosting one? I'm not hosting one. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> 
I am, but if I was hosting, I, you'd get the invitation. I appreciate that, yeah. TC. Yeah. I mean, I like a good barbecue every now and then, but yeah. I also don't mind, you know, laying low and staying inside and, yeah. and enjoying the uh, the spoils of the air conditioning. I, I hear you talking, man. I hear you talking. All right, so let's talk a little NBA game number six here tonight. We've got the Celtics, an eight-point favorite against the Heat. We've talked a lot about just blowout city here. Ten conference final games. All blowouts. Yeah. And the favorites haven't been the one always blowing them out. We've seen the dogs that have come and, and, and blow them out. We've seen that on two occasions with Miami here. Uh, I don't know about you, Sam. I, I hit the I hit the the Warriors Mavericks game pretty much or that series pretty much spot on. But this one man, it's been kinda hard for me to handicap because let's be honest, the basketball at times have been bad. Yeah. It's been brutal basketball. We, yeah, we yeah, throw yeah. the blowouts on top of it, but uh, you know, for me it's been somewhat unwatchable with the low shooting percentages, you know, and the 7 for 45 that Miami threw up there from three-point range. Um, give me your take on this series. Yeah, just a – well, I think at this time of the year, right, uh, we're only going every other day between games, and a result of that, that that's because of the play-in tournament. That delays the playoffs by a week or so, and as a result, this built-in extra week of rest as you have, you don't have anymore. So you're seeing Miami, Jimmy Butler banged up, Tyler Hero banged up, Kyle Lowry, I mean, either he's banged up or he's done, mm-hmm. or probably a combination of both. Max Schroes, key rotation guys in Boston too, Jason Tatum with the shoulder, and just Marcus Smart, Robert Williams in and out of the lineup. So I think the East this year is so much more physical than the West. You think you take a look at this matchup, you take a look at the Boston-Milwaukee series, even Miami-Philly, I think just the attrition has really decayed, to your point, the brand of basketball. And now you're getting to the conference, you know, at the end of the conference finals here in the East where both these teams, I mean, Miami especially, what, who do they have? Who's available? Who's, who's at 75%, let alone 100%? Everybody's banged up, and it, it just feels like 90s, early 90s, mid, you know, early 2000s basketball where it's just ugly. It's just physical and ugly. And without Tyler Hero, with, with Jimmy Butler at, I don't know, he looked 50% to me the other right, night. Yeah, I just don't think Miami yeah. has enough firepower. Boston, for, for as banged up as they are, they're still healthier, and they still have more firepower, more the, 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 the bigger conglomerate of offensive options. And as a result, I fully expect for them to take care of business. But I, I do think when, it talks, when we're talking big picture about the blowouts, the scheduling is something I think the NBA – is going to have to examine. We all love the playing tournament, but like we talked about, you know, at the Aces draft party, how those teams do, right? Like they both went home. It was chalk in those series, mm-hmm. you know, with the teams in the playing tournament, and it's fun. But is it enough fun at the expense of the rest of your postseason, right? Where you have all these one-sided games, where star players, not just role players, star players, guys you tune in to see are hurt, are banged up, can't perform at 100. percent So, a little disappointing that that it, it played it, it played out that way in the conference finals. But the hope is, I mean, with this week off, if Boston takes care of business tonight almost a week off before they get they get Golden State both teams can be healthy and we can see a a really really thorough and enjoyable NBA Finals the one difference though from what you said you're saying it's kind of a flashback to the 80s back in the 80s and early 90s those guys that were hurt they'd play anyway (laughs) right they would play we wouldn't hear about oh I'm gonna sit out this game and this and that you know load management not not that we're getting load (laughs) management in the playoffs but seriously I mean those guys would I mean I mean, they would basically play with, you know, I mean, hamstring pulls and broken legs for the most part. It was insane. But we're looking at at Miami being banged up like you talk about, Sam. But we're hearing more today about the more Celtics injuries. Sure, yeah. So, uh, you know, and again, I really can't call this game. And, you know, from a line perspective, Marco, I'm kind of shocked that this thing, you know, seven and a half, eight, eight and a half, nine, now eight and a half, now it's coming back a little bit. But do the Celtics deserve to be an eight or nine point favorite in this 
in this series, especially in this game against the, I know the number one seed, they're banged up, but, I mean, Miami took it to, to Boston two of these games, too. They did, and like you said. And, I, and on uh, Boston's home floor in game three. They did. They uh, ran them out of there. And we we had them in that, in that game, and uh, this is a spot where I just think when they got up to eight and a half, I wish I would have grabbed the nine, obviously. Mm. The nine was there briefly, and I didn't grab it. But this is an overreaction. Again, go back to games three and four. You were looking at lines nowhere near this, and I think Six. it's an you know, yeah, overcompensation yeah. for it. But uh, we haven't played this one. We did this a, a week ago when we were closing out series. How about conspiracy theory? <laughs> if Boston wins tonight, there is no game for a week, boys. That's right. Nothing, nothing on Memorial Day weekend. The NBA wow. doesn't want that. Come wow. on. <laughs> so you're calling a nice little Sunday game, huh? A little Sunday night game. We're going to need to have a game seven. What That's else what you're you calling, wanna, right? What else would you want to well, do? Well, that's what I would like. But like, like Sam said, I, mean, I, I, like, that too. I, I like it too. But, <laughs> but man, I mean, the excitement level's there. But this is some bad basketball we're watching here. I mean, this isn't this – isn't quality basketball well, well miami's offense right the last couple games has been as bad as i've ever seen the team play offense in the playoffs and it's just it's they're getting looks and they're just not going in it's not yeah. just that they're that they can't generate quality shots the quality shots they are generating they're missing and and to miami's credit and why i think today's game could be close even though miami is banged up up and down the lineup Miami's still defending, right? Like, Boston's not lighting it up on offense either. They just haven't been as bad, and they have guys in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown that have made big shots, you know, to, to pull away from Miami in game five the other night. So Miami's defense, even with the injuries, is still good enough to keep them, keep them in the game? Who knows, right? Like, I, I think Boston's going to win. I expect them to win because of all the injuries. But if Miami, you know, some of those shots start to go down, they are getting quality looks. Miami defends at a high level. Who knows, right? Maybe, right. We, maybe we do have a, a Sunday night uh, <laughs> Sunday night basketball game. As bad as Miami has shot, it's been a team bad effort. You, you can have one guy have an off sure. night and other guys pick it up. That last game, there wasn't anybody that shot the basketball. They couldn't shoot the ball in the ocean the other night. If you get just one or two of those guys step up and have a game tonight, we have a game. A thousand percent. I mean, my Max Struess hasn't made a shot since game. I think he made a shot since game three, right? Like this is a guy who was. A lot of people were saying, "Who's Max Struess?" Yeah, I mean, yeah. Was, you know, yeah. I mean, still kind of an unknown player, but he was 36, 37 percent from three in the regular season, yeah, and even yeah. up in the playoffs until this point. And now he can't throw a rock in the ocean. It's just things that, from Miami's perspective, you don't expect that. You don't expect Kyrie, uh, Kyle uh, Lowry to not score at all. Right, he did not score. Didn't have an assist the other night. You just don't expect that. You can't factor for that or predict that, especially at home. If you're Miami, especially at <laughs> home. So they, yeah. they, I mean, I mean, it goes without saying. It's a make or miss league. If Miami doesn't make shots tonight, if they get those shots and miss them, they're going to go home. But again, I do expect them defensively. This is Miami. We know what Miami Heat basketball is all about. They're not going to quit. They're not laying down right. just because guys are banged up. I've thought throughout the course of the series, the effort level on both sides has still been there. It's just resulted in in some basketball that hasn't been the most aesthetically mm -hmm. pleasing. Sam's making me want to go to the window and, and play something on Miami here. You know, but, yeah, I got burned. I was one of those guys that had Miami. I'm thinking, hey, there's some value here. They're a three-and-a-half-point you know, underdog on their home floor. And everyone just kept you know, betting Boston. I'm thinking, like, okay, yeah, they're going to show up. And then I heard some quotes of Adebayo saying, like, hey, are you, we're not going anywhere. We're fine. We're defending our home court. And it was weird, and you mentioned it, Sam. Like, Jimmy Butler looked 50%. I mean, he's missing 12, 15-foot jumpers that are going, like, 
not you know, 13, 14 feet. Yeah, you know, not even hitting I mean, from, I mean, really he's, bad he's, stuff. He's banged up, yeah. You could tell with Jimmy. And, and he, I mean, he's, he's, there's no lift on his jumper. He's firing a set shot. He was able to get to the free throw line at will through the first two rounds and the first two games of this series. And now there's nothing explosive at the basket. And, and that, to me, is the biggest issue when you talk about Miami is who's creating for them off the dribble. If Jimmy Butler's banged up and you don't have Tyler Hero in the lineup, where are you getting that offense from? They don't have it. And that, to me, has been their biggest issue, whereas with Boston – you have a Jason Tatum, you have a Jalen Brown, even a Marcus Smart can do some things off the dribble, at least get some things going. Miami just doesn't have that without those players. So it's going to, I mean, they're going to have to rely a lot on their on their systems, on their offense, on making sure they're executing at a really high level. And quite frankly, against a defensive team like Boston, that's really, really hard to do. You yeah. can do it, but they make you work as hard as you possibly can uh, to get quality offense. And I thought, I think you saw that in the third quarter, that play out where just one possession after another, they have to grind so hard and so hard to get an open look. And when they do get an open look, they miss it. It gets demoralizing. So I think we're going to see Miami's best effort tonight. Will it be enough? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, that's we'll it. I'm see. off Miami now. That's it. I'm back on Boston. <laughs> so so I, ta I talked for an hour about Miami. Yeah. And, and I, I didn't move him. You come in for five minutes, you moved him to Miami, and now he's backpedaling again. <laughs> Here's the thing with, with Butler and in, in what we saw two nights ago. Okay, on their home floor, they were just so bad. Now you factor in the travel, and then you get more wear and tear during the course of that game. So I just I just don't know how you can come back from an injury like that yeah, and, and be well. Like you said, in order for Miami to win this game, they're gonna need Jimmy Butler at his fire. They're gonna need Jimmy Butler to come up with with thirty plus tonight. And I, right? I just don't know if he has it. Right? Just with where he's at. I mean, the way he looked, TC. Jimmy Butler was arguably the best player in the postseason up up until you know up the, until mm -hmm. until the injury. You know he was almost thirty a game, fifty plus percent from the floor, shooting thirty five percent from three. He was elite defensively, playmaking, rebounding, doing everything you needed to do. And with him firing on all cylinders like that and at that level. Yeah, Miami could have won this series, but we're seeing some highlights here, uh, TC, at the Cosmopolitan here at the Sportsbook of, of what he was looking like last game. Air ball, like you said, airballing 15-footers, <laughs> yeah. can't get to the rim, can't finish. It's just – it's really this – you know, I, and I, I love Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Butler is one of the best players in the NBA, a guy that never really quite gets the credit that he deserves. He's such a winner, won everywhere he's been. And for this to happen to him uh, at the biggest stage in, in a year where it feels – Right, it feels like the, the championship was wide open this year. Gold, yeah. Good Golden State team, yeah. not a great Golden State yeah. team. Good, not great. Right, it felt like the window was open for Miami, and and if he's not, if he can't, and he's clearly not 100. percent That window seems to be closed, and and now, you know, big picture with this roster, where do you go from here? Because you know right. Milwaukee's going to be back. Boston's not going anywhere. You figure Brooklyn has something to say. What's Philadelphia going to do? They might make some moves. So the East, the East, it's, it's funny. The 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 landscape of the league, the conferences have changed. Right, the West was the juggernaut. For so long, so long. Now you look where a majority of the title contenders were, where the top teams, the top players are. They're all out east. So I think that has also played a part in, in why these games are what they are. Boston going through a grueling seven-game series against Milwaukee. Philly's got to get through. Uh, Miami got to go through Joel Embiid. So it's not getting any easier. And I just don't think he has enough uh, juice in the tank. And Miami, you know, doesn't have enough juice overall to win tonight. But hey. That's just my opinion. That's why they play the game. That's why right? they play the game, right? Yeah, that's why they play let's the throw game. it up. They play the national anthem and throw it up, and here we go. Uh, Sam Gordon joins us, Las Vegas Review Journal. Of course, Marco D'Angelo, wagertalk.com here on this Friday inside the William Hill Sportsbook here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. I want to talk about the Warriors. Uh, again, fantastic display last night by the Warriors. They win 121-10 again. Even though it's a 10-point game, this game was really never in doubt. I mean, Warriors were, were up by 20 for a good portion of this game. Uh, they win the series four games to one. 
Good for Clay Thompson. I don't yeah. know about you guys. I've, I've just always loved this Warrior team. They're one of the few teams that I, I really can get behind. Just I love the, the team aspect, the team basketball. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm one that loves dynasties. You know, and I think Kevin Durant is looking back and saying, you know, wow, you know, maybe I should have stayed. You know, I mean, just think if Kevin Durant was still there, what this Warrior team could have been, especially what happened with the Warriors in, you know, 2020 and 2021. With the uh, the injuries, but Clay Thompson, good for t- him last night. Eight three pointers, thirty two points, uh, fantastic for him. And I want to talk a little bit about the path yeah. with with the Warriors here, the path back to the finals, because this is an extraordinary accomplishment. Six, their sixth final appearance coming this year in the last eight years. 2015, they won it. We remember against Cleveland. 2016, they lost Cleveland. Uh, 2017, they, they, they win. 2018, uh, uh, they're there, win again. 2019, they lose to Toronto. And then all of a sudden, you have the injury to Clay Thompson and Steph Curry in 2020. Uh, this lingers on to 2021, where Clay re injures himself, so he misses two, two years, and the Warriors are in this rebuilding process. A lot of people did not know. And then Kevin Durant, you know, he was there, he left. Uh, I give a lot of credit to Bob Myers, the general manager there, and what the Warriors have done because the way they constructed this team, you know, even prior to Steve Kerr, but what Curry and Thompson and Green, those three guys, the staple of, of this organization, they have hung together. And then what do the Warriors do? They get Kevin Durant from t- 2016 to 2019. They do a sign and trade because Durant says, I don't, I, I want to leave, whether it's Draymond Green, whatever it is. I want to go try to build my own, uh, you know, franchise in Brooklyn. So he leaves there. They do a sign and trade. What the Warriors do, they get D'Angelo Russell in that. Okay, D'Angelo Russell, not really much was serviceable for them. I mean, led them to the play-in tournament last year, but the Warriors are really looking ahead towards this year. By getting D'Angelo Russell, got them Andrew Wiggins. Mm. Okay, and what Andrew Wiggins has done to this team has been uh, fantastic. And then we throw in the draft of Jordan Poole out of Michigan. Phenomenal. Yeah. And then you go back to the 2015 draft. I'm going to bring up Kayvon Looney from mm. UCLA. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, a Milwaukee guy. Yeah. Exactly. Who was, a, who was a guard? He was a point guard back in Milwaukee, as you, you might remember, Sam. And then you throw in Andre Iguodala. Okay, he was there during that run, and he steps away. He comes back, not 100% healthy. But then, like we talked about last hour, Marco, the other pieces from these unsung guys, what the Warriors have done here is incredible. Sam says they're not a great team, but they're a very good team. But what they've done with these pieces in modern-day basketball, they do not have to live and die by the three. All these other teams we're talking about putting up 40, 45 threes a game, the Warriors, that's not the norm for them. I mean, they're hitting, you know, throwing up between 23, maybe in 30 or 33 threes, and they can win without putting up those big numbers. But I just love what this team does offensively. They're one of the few teams that share the basketball. But more importantly, I want to give credit to the Warriors and the front office on what they've built with this team. They're dangerous offensively. There's no question about it. And it's no lead is safe. We've seen them that Memphis game where Memphis had them on the ropes. Mm-hmm. And that was the first game Morant was out, and they played an inspired game. Memphis led that game the entire game by double digits, and then they put together that big fourth quarter. And I was I was sweating to hold on plus the, the nine and a half that I had in that game because the, the Warriors went on one of those runs. That's something that neither Boston or Miami has. They, you know, you're not going to expect to see a 15 to two run in a blink of an eye like Golden State. That's what makes Golden State dangerous. But as I said in the first hour, and I don't know how you feel, Sam, defense 
at this level, I, I, I'm old school. I like the defense. Yeah. And, and Boston's defense, I think, is going to present some problems for, you know, all of the, you know, guys with the, the offense. Yeah. But I want to get to that point in a sec. First, I want to talk about TC, yeah. big picture, right, this, this organ. It's a preeminent organization in the NBA. Let's just be very clear about that. From ownership to, to Bob Myers to Steve Kerr to, of course, the most integral part of, of this dynasty, Steph Curry, the most selfless leader in all of sports, mm-hmm. still at 34 years of age, as good as he's ever been, uh, just so good. So lethal from, from everywhere on the floor. We know what he brings to the table. Uh, they stayed the course. There was no panic when Kevin Durant left. There was no panic when Steph Curry got hurt, when Klay Thompson got hurt. There was none of that. They believed in the process. They believed in the foundational pieces they had in place, and they approached it accordingly. That You go out and you trade D'Angelo Russell for a guy like Andrew Wiggins, who I'm intimately familiar with being from of Minnesota, yeah. following his career very closely. Andrew Wiggins... Wasn't he was number one pick, but he that was never really his demeanor, his role. He, that wasn't the right fit for him. No matter what, you know, there's there's been all this talk who won the Warriors, you know, Wolves trade. Well, Andrew Wiggins, he wasn't going to work in Minnesota, so that that that's just what it is. He's worked perfectly in Golden State. He's bought completely in to their culture. It's a credit to him. He rebounds the basketball. He attacks closeouts. He can make an open three. He plays hard in transition. He defends the opposing team's best player. He's been an excellent addition. And, again, credit to the culture. Credit to Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, those guys for making him feel welcome. You talk about the draft. They're contending and rebuilding, like, on the fly, which is impossible, right? right? That's, frankly, impossible. Jordan Poole is 22 years old. Jonathan Kaminga showed major flashes as a rookie this year. He's 19, okay? Moses Moody, another rookie that got playing time that was impressive during the regular season, not so much a part of the playoff rotation for obvious reasons, but he's 19 or 20 as well. Like, you have young players. James Wise, we didn't even see James Wise. <laughs> right, right. Right. He may not. Now, with, because of the injuries, who knows what he's going to become, but at the very least, he might be, you know, an interesting player to trade, right? And, you know, maybe you bring him back and he develops into the player that they ultimately thought you know he could be he's still only 21 so it's it's incredible what they've been able to do it truly is it's remarkable i thought the dynasty was over i thought they'd be really good this year and not 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 quite have enough to get to the championship um with that said my questions you know you take a look at what boston had to navigate or you know boston or miami i think it's going to be boston and what golden state had to navigate to find it's going to be totally different for both these teams boston will have not seen in offense quite like Golden State's, like you said, where you got three, four guys that can get hot in a second, the transition, the speed, the pace. And Golden State, quite frankly, hasn't seen a team as close to as physical this year as Boston is with as many great defensive players. Great defensive players. Boston doesn't play. Peyton Pritchard might be the only, you know, eh, defender that they play. Everybody they play is a high-level defender. They play excellent team basketball, too. So if that's the matchup we see, it's, I mean, you know what they say, TC, styles make fights. Absolutely. And you're going to see two completely contrasting styles. The most historically successful franchise in the NBA, the Boston Celtics, with the modern dynasty, the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, the playoffs were ugly. It, yeah. it, it looked bad, but if Boston takes care of business tonight, or or and, and hold, or you know goes back three three and they take care of business in Game Seven, uh, it's going to be an awesome Finals. I mean, yeah. from storyline perspective, team perspective, everything you want in an NBA Finals. So, uh, yeah, do, do the ends justify the means of a kind of an ugly postseason? I think so. If that's the matchup we get. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't really think that we are going to get these type of blowouts that we've seen. But again, I cannot recall ever, Sam, that we're looking at. An Eastern Conference, Western Conference Finals over, you know, all these games, and we haven't had one competitive game. Mm-hmm. It just blows me away that we haven't got that. And, again, we're talking about – we're not talking about seven or eight seeds sliding into the playoffs. We're talking about one and two seeds over yeah. here in the East. Yeah. One and two seeds. Yeah. And, you know, what, what we got, two and three seed over in the 
in in the West with with, with the Warriors or you're three and four seed, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I don't know. You know. Styles make fights, like you said, and then everything you said with the history, everything else. But then you've got the the high octane offense yeah. against the prototypical best defense. Yeah. I mean that's in there as well too. Yeah. I would love to see Boston versus Golden State. If Miami does squeeze in there, does it give us? A little bit of a lackluster final. Uh, with with all these injuries, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's not I, I like so. Butler and these guys are going to get better, you know, with you know three four days rest yeah. after they're done. Yeah, because they got they would have to win two more games. And uh, look, a healthy Miami team, yeah, I think they could give Golden State a run. I think Golden State, based on what we've seen, probably has a little bit of an edge in that series. They'd certainly open up as a favorite. But with an injured Miami team, you can forget about it, right? They don't have enough firepower. Granted. Boston much better defensively than Golden State, but they don't have enough firepower. I mean, it's it's a struggle for them to grind out 20 points, you know, in a quarter. Now you got to contend. You got to keep pace with Steph and Clay and Jordan Poole and Wiggins and Draymond and Kevon Looney, and <laughs> it's just I don't I don't at this point I don't see that happening. But Boston definitely has enough, right? Boston has more than enough. You got multiple defenders that you can throw at Steph Curry, wing, uh, wings, guards, the whole nine. You have rim protection with Al Horford and Robert Williams, who's been awesome in, in the playoffs. Limited minutes because of his knee, but he, what a game changer he is. You can have real rim protection in there. You have depth. You have great coaching on both sides. I, I think it's going to be a fantastic matchup if that's what we end up getting. When you have contrasting styles like Boston and Golden State, what makes the real handicap tough is when you're looking at the total because who's going to dictate get their, their yep. you know, what the they want. And, yeah, yeah, right, right. Because yeah. totally two different opposite styles. It uh-huh. is. And you sit there and we talk about the um, the history, Boston and Golden State, the offense, the defense. And for me, you know, the probably the biggest intrigue here is is that you, you would have two great teams facing off against each other. They're, they're not familiar with each other at all. When was the last time we've seen, you know, Boston and, and Golden State, you know, in, in a final? They, and, and especially, you know, when you only face them twice during the course of the regular season. Yeah. You know, once at their place, once at their place. And, I, you know, I don't know what that is, and we'll dive into those two regular season meetings, but I can guarantee you that probably neither team was at full strength. Yeah. You know, at, at that point in time. And, again, regular season really doesn't mean anything, but that's part of the intrigue as well, too. It's like we're seeing something. I mean, a lot of times in these conference you know, uh, finals or even semifinals, like uh, they faced each other five, six times already. They see each other every year over and over again. That's not the case. So, for me – It'll be interesting either Golden State against Miami or Boston, but more importantly, just more intrigued with Boston Golden State with the history, unfamiliarity, and the superstars on both teams. And I want to give credit, you know, to your point, TC, about Golden State. I want to give credit to Boston too, right? Mm-hmm. Brad Stevens. Yeah. What a hire he made with Ime Udoka. <laughs> I mean, just a tremendous, tremendous coach. The understanding that hey, it wasn't they weren't going to reach their ceiling with him as the head coach. The ability. To- and why do you think that? Because uh, a lot of people still don't understand why Stevens stepped down. I just, I, they just weren't that they, – they, he couldn't get them over the hump. And they, I, I don't know what it was. He played a major – now, with that said, he played a major hand and a major role in the development of Jason Tatum, mm-hmm. Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, right, so on and so forth, guys that are contributing uh, on this roster, Robert Williams. He was crucial in their development. But for whatever reason, he had the self-awareness to understand they couldn't get over the hump with him and made the absolute perfect hire. A guy like Ime Udoka – Total, you know, installing their switching defense. It took some time. Total buy-in from his guys and the way they play defense. The way he carries himself on the court, he's like a former player out there. He still has that swag, that steeze about him as a former player because he was a former player who was one with the San Antonio Spurs, understanding what winning looks like at that that level. And then 
to not panic on their end as well. They got put out by LeBron over and over again, year in and year out, right? Most recently in 2018, there's questions, can Jason Tatum, can Jalen Brown, can, they, can that duo work? Do you have to split them up? They get swept in the first round last year uh, in Brooklyn. Uh-uh. Hold on, you know, slow the phone, right? Yeah. Hold, hold the phone, <laughs> slow your roll. Let's be patient here. Hire the right coach. Couple tweaks in the season by Brad Stevens as the general manager, bringing in Derek White, who's been crucial in this playoff run. It's, it's a testament to the, the, the strength of their organization as well. It is a, a high-character organization that has done things the right way, uh, building through the draft, smart trades and whatnot, and, and, and intelligent signings. And lo and behold, uh, you have a contender that I don't, I don't see them going anywhere. Tatum's 24, Brown's 25, Smart's 28. Like, where are they going? They're going to be around a while. Milwaukee's going to be around a while. Golden State's not going anywhere. So even though, again, the playoffs aren't necessarily what we wanted them to be in terms of competitive games, we're seeing real staying power with some of these franchises, really cool storylines, and it's been a, it's, I think, again, we're going to have a really fun finals based on the involvement of these two teams. All right. One more thing in basketball before we hit the break here that I want to hit with you, Sam, here, because I know you love the NBA, you cover the NBA, and uh, we're talking a lot about the uh, conference finals and looking ahead to the NBA finals here. Uh, Russell Westbrook, uh, what a disastrous season. We've seen this guy, and you and I have talked about him before, but uh, you know, just looking ahead here, He's owed $47 million next season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. $47 million. Thoughts about the Lakers, Westbrook. Yeah. I know what my answer is, but have we – have we seen the best of Russell Westbrook in the rearview mirror? Oh, certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We saw the best of that a while ago. Yeah. And the, the, in the, OKC. Yeah, and that's, I think, number one of the main storylines going into the offseason is how do the Lakers handle that situation? I think you, the reports have, have suggested that they've been interviewing coaches as they've been pr- proceeding with their interviews. They're asking coaches how they would use Russell Westbrook and what ways they would maximize him, which makes you think, hey, they might not be so quick to trade him after all. That said, uh, I don't know if there's anything that we've – you know, possibly seen uh, last year to make them think that it would be smart to run it back, right? Like, why would you want to run this back? So if they move off Westbrook, they're going to have to attach picks. They're going to have to attach uh, or potentially a young player. They're going to have to, cre- you know, create some interest in a team taking Westbrook. And there's only a handful of teams that I think would be interested or have the requisite salaries to move off him. So that's a that's a major, major storyline. If I were the Lakers, I would try and move him and take on some longer-term money. Maybe, you know, in Indiana, Malcolm Brogdon and Buddy Heald, something like that, and you attach a couple first-round picks if you have to. Maybe wishful thinking, but that's a team that's entering a rebuild and, can, and wants to clear out its cap space. You're going to have to find a team like that. If you don't, good luck next year because I, I, he's not getting any younger. LeBron's not getting any younger, and Anthony Davis isn't getting any younger either. That title window is is closing quickly. This was an abs, abject disaster this past season, and if they don't figure out this Westbrook situation, uh, LeBron James is going to retire with four championships. Mm-hmm. All you say is, haven't they watched <laughs> – this Westbrook project has not worked anywhere. <laughs> you know, I mean, fool me once, fool me twice. Come on. Let me ask you this. Who would you rather have on your team? Would you rather Westbrook, Harden, Anthony Davis, Ben Simmons, E, none of the above? Oof. Davis. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 but the, but the, the thing about, you know, un, unreliable, <laughs> all four of those guys, you don't know what you're going to get. Right. Right? That's just the reality. Especially the first two that I named. Yeah. Absolutely. Westbrook and Harden, right? Yeah, you and never know what one. you're going to get. And the last and one, and you just don't get anything. The, exactly. <laughs> but Anthony Davis's health is uncertain, too, so yeah. you don't know what you're going to get from him either. There it is. All right. Uh, we're live at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas inside the sportsbook powered by William Hill, T.C. Martin, Sam Gordon, and Marco D'Angelo. 
And when we come back, we're going to talk a little NFL action. Sam does a great job covering the Raiders as well, too. Colin Kaepernick in town Wednesday with a tryout. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more NFL stuff right here. T.C. Martin Show from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Hey, this is Steve Heitner, and lucky you, you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. Uh, That's gold, baby, gold. Live from the cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, our Friday home here. Loving it. NBA playoffs tonight, Major League Baseball all weekend long, too. All kinds of great stuff happening here at the cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. We talk about the sports book, but you know we got to talk about the food. Get up to Block 16 up on the second floor here. The unique food eateries up there, the grab-and-go variety outstanding. And go up to the third floor, and, of course, you can catch Blue Ribbon, STK, and the list goes on and on and on. So many different varieties, uh, the eclectic nature here at the cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. And, yes, the bucket of chicken I'm going to have to squeeze in, of course, this weekend. And, hush, hush. The secret pizza. Oh, sorry, I'm not supposed to say that, am I? Love the secret pizza. Yeah. You know, Marco, you can actually go get the secret pizza and not wait in the long line if you go up there, like, right after the show. I have actually have not seen long lines if you go between, like, 4 and 6. After that, then late, later in the evening, you're going to be waiting a while, but well worth the secret pizza. Sam Gordon joins us. Marco D'Angelo. Have you ever had the secret pizza, Marco? I, I mean, uh, Sam. I, no. You never had the secret pizza. I think it's something I need to experience. You need to experience that. Preferably sooner than later. Yeah, you probably haven't experienced the barbershop either. Here? Yeah, here. The barbershop. The barbershop? Oh, yeah. I I, I can't say anymore. You have to experience the barbershop. Okay, okay. I appreciate the recommendation. You can get a cut and a little bit more right around the corner at the barbershop. Okay, okay. Respect. Respect. Yeah, big time respect. There you go. All right. All right. Let's uh, talk a little NFL news uh, from a Raiders perspective. Uh, Colin Kaepernick uh, was in town Wednesday, a tryout with the Raiders. Now, we know Kaepernick hasn't played since January 1st of 2017, basically, you know, six seasons here. Here's the question, guys. Why would the Raiders do this, try him out, and they're they're saying the tryout went well, no contract is imminent here, but when you have Derek Carr, you've invested into him, re-signed him, made a big deal trying to make him comfortable here. And then you go ahead and you get Jared Stidham from New England because Josh McDaniels has a relationship with him. He goes, "Ah, let's bring him here as an insurance policy. Maybe the future of the Raiders down the road. Then, of course, you got Nick Mullins, you know, the number three quarterback. He spent time with the Niners and a couple other teams. But why would you go to the extreme here of bringing Colin Kaepernick in? And, Sam, I know you cover the Raiders a lot. Sam, great columnist here, you know, with the R.J., what are your thoughts about this? Yeah, I think they just kind of want to see what he has. And it, they were very mum yesterday. We asked Josh McDaniels, of course, about, you know, how the trial went. He was very, very quiet about it. Mm-hmm. didn't say much. Just said that, hey, we work out a lot of guys at, at this time of year. We wanted to try and improve the roster by any means necessary. And, and they, they felt like they wanted to do their due diligence, mm-hmm. right? At, at the end of the day, um, it, it signals to me that there are some questions about what they have behind Derek Carr. Like, like you said, Jared Stidham has familiarity with Josh McDaniels. Nick Mullins, a, a career backup who started some games and, and played well in some spots. He actually played against the Raiders, started for the Browns <laughs> in that right. game against the Raiders last year and right. almost won the game, right? right. With, with that, without Browns were missing like 20 people because of COVID at that time. But I digress. Uh, the, the way, from, from, what I, from my understanding, they, they're genuinely interested in seeing if they can improve the roster and seeing what, what Colin Kaepernick has. Now, like, like you said, uh, the report suggests there's no signing imminent, but 
for me, um, it's encouraging for me to see that teams are doing their due diligence on Colin Kaepernick, giving him an opportunity. Right. He hasn't had one in five years. What, frankly, him being blackballed from the league never should have happened. He's good enough to play in the NFL in some capacity. I'm not saying he should be the starter somewhere uh, by any means, but – with that said, there's, I mean, there's, what, 64 jobs in the NFL? Some teams carry three quarterbacks, so between 64 and 75. Right. Are you telling me, based on some of the quarterback we play, we've seen from some of these backups and third stringers the last couple of years, when you compare and contrast that to what Kyler Kaepernick did as a starting quarterback with the San Francisco 49ers? I know that was a long time ago, but with that said, you tell me there's not a spot for him? Mm-hmm. I mean, Joe Flacco's still cashing checks off that same 2012 <laughs> trip to the Super Bowl, right? Hey, listen, I mean, I'll take it one step further. Yeah. Isn't Kyler Kaepernick better than Sam Darnold? And then the list kind of goes on and on and on, right? I, I, I mean, there's a handful of guys that I – Sam Darnold. From starters. Da- da- yeah. Daniel Jones, right? right? What's right. – you know, Marcus Mariota, great for him, the former Raider getting an opportunity down in Atlanta. But what has he shown mm-hmm. the last four or five years that suggests that he should be a starting quarterback in the NFL? Uh, there's, a, there's a handful uh, of other guys of that ilk as well. But at the very least, yeah, I, I think Colin Kaepernick could, could hang with those guys. And, and you're telling me he's not qualified to be a backup in the NFL? I don't buy that. He should have been in the NFL the entire time. I don't know if he will be. I don't take this – I don't assume that just because he had this tryout, somebody's going to sign him. There's been reports that other teams are interested. I personally would love to see Colin Kaepernick back in the NFL at some capacity. Um, we saw the, the things that he was speaking about and that he was protesting and that he was standing for. We'll look at how what we've seen the last several years. Right? Look, look, what ha- look at what's happened these past couple weeks. Colin Kaepernick was trying to bring awareness to this a long, long time ago before it was part of daily discourse. He did that at the cost of his career, and now you know maybe there's a chance he gets back in the NFL. Again, I don't know. There, there, nothing's been done yet, but I would I would love to see it. And I do think from a football perspective, there is genuine interest from the Raiders. It, there, there was in seeing what he had. I, 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 I think that I think that they're just kicking the tires, doing their due diligence, and, and we'll see what happens from here. I agree 100% that it was totally wrong, him being blackballed, so mm-hmm. to speak. But at what point do you say it's been too long to be away from the game? Yeah, th- that's a great question. And, and that's why I think you have these trials, right? I, the By all accounts, his, his conditioning was good. His arm strength was good. We know um, that if we're talking about a player profile physically, like, you know, 6'4", rocket arm, he was one of the fastest quarterbacks in the league. And, and at, this, it, at this point in the NFL, right, you can play a quarterback at a high level going into your 30s and 40s. I'm not suggesting that Colin Kaepernick is going to do that. But being 34 isn't what it used to. It's not what it used to in terms of the NFL. Right. Plus, no wear and tear the last several years. So it's a fair question. We don't know what, what he has, but we do know that Sam Darnold hasn't shown anything, that Nathan Peterman's still in the NFL, and he's played a couple of the worst <laughs> games ever. So, like, what have they shown, you know, to be in the NFL that Colin Kaepernick – we know that Colin Kaepernick, even though it was a long time ago, there is – proof there's evidence that, that he has been a successful quarterback like we've seen that and there's a lot of guys that have jobs that we don't know if they can or not that haven't shown anything at the nfl level i mean how many backups are drafted just to be backups and never play like what have they done right so yeah it's a fair question and that's why you do your due diligence and, and bring them in for a tryout i hope other teams give them the same opportunity but again i don't i don't see anything imminent because what you said it's a it's a fair question and i think teams you know regardless of the reasoning can use that and say ah, we don't know what we have and, and use that as a way not to sign them not that i'm a big fan of it but you saw what they did with marcus mariota bring him in on down and distance plays you know run the wildcat kaepernick would be perfect it, and and that's if you remember when alex smith was the starter in san francisco they had a lot of success with alex smith when kaepernick 
before he took over there, that was the role they had him play. It was right. just a couple packages for him to use his skills on the perimeter to get out and, and to set up some running plays and whatnot. So, there, yeah, why, why couldn't he do that and, and help? Again, I'm, I'm with you. I, I like just having the quarterback be the quarterback. But other coaches, if they feel like there are creative ways to get guys on the field, I mean, I th- he, he, to me, feels like a guy that's more than capable of contributing in that role if it's a couple plays a game, right? I mean, he did get a team to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Here's the thing. He is now coming out saying that he – would be willing to be a backup, where before it wasn't. Josh McDaniel basically came out and said that he was not going to use a if – he, if he had a Colin Kaepernick or anybody, he's not going to use him in certain packages like we saw Gruden do, like we saw Rich Passaccia do, you know, with Mariota. Here's the thing. If, if you got a guy like Marcus Mariota and he, we had the same conversation, he could be probably starting, you know, with maybe, maybe just about half of the teams in the NFL. Colin Kaepernick is – you can make the argument probably – is good or better than Marcus Mariota. So if you're if you're Colin Kaepernick, do you want to go into a situation where you'd be going into the Raiders and again, different coaching regime, regime, different uh, general manager now? But it's like, wow, I don't know. I would much rather get back into the league where I can compete for a starting job because the only way he would get on the field would be if Derek Carr gets injured. And then again, you got Stidham who has history with McDaniel. That's why he brought him in. Here's my take on this. Was Mark Davis serious about signing him to bring him in? I think he was to a certain degree, but they're pretty stockpiled at quarterback right now. I believe that Mark Davis is trying to do Colin Kaepernick a solid. And what I mean by that is he's always he's very open. Mark has said that I like Colin Kaepernick. I think he should be in the league. He deserves a shot. Everyone has been staying away from this. It just takes one team to give the guy an opportunity. And I believe... He is doing this, and now this word is going to get out. And Mark Davis is like, hey, spread the word that this guy had a great workout. Physically, he looks good. You know, we had conversations with him. Good attitude. We know one thing, Sam. He's a leader. You know, a, lot, a lot of these other guys that you mentioned, I mean, what leadership skills yeah. do they have? So, again, I was never a great Colin Kaepernick you know, fan when he was with the Niners. I thought, you know, saw him play at UNR and that sort of thing. But, no, I give the guy credit. He led the Niners to a Super Bowl. Can he play? Is he one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL if he came back and played? Yes. There's no question about it. Does he deserve a shot now? Yes. And I think over time, how many times did we mention Colin Kaepernick's name last year? Hardly at all, right? Mm-hmm. So I think things have calmed down mm-hmm. with all of that now. Roger Goodell came out and said, you know what? We handled the situation wrong. Okay, he admitted that, okay? So as long as Colin Kaepernick is willing to say bygones be bygones and this and that, and I think he is by saying, okay, I'm willing to be a backup. I'm willing to audition tryout. Because remember, a couple of years ago, the NFL said, okay, we're going to give you this trial. They orchestrated it, and Kaepernick blew him off. And he said, oh, forget that. I'm going to go do my own thing at this high school. And that upset the, the guys in the NFL. So hopefully that is all behind us. And if a team needs him, do it. But... I do believe that other teams now are going to say, okay, we'll give him a shot. Seattle had talked about it before. Pete Carroll openly wanted him. Jim Harbaugh, I mean, John Harbaugh with Baltimore wanted to have him. They had that conversation a few years back. But remember, the Baltimore fan base went nuts. Say, no, you can't have this guy, this and that. And so I think what is happening here is that Teams, general managers, coaches around the NFL are going to look, what does the Raider fan base think about this? And if they're kind of mum and mull about it, okay, we'll give them a shot. I think they're, they're testing the waters here. Well, and we've seen reports now, TC, after 
Kaepernick had his workout with the Raiders. There's a couple of other teams interested, right? right? And you brought up Seattle. I think that's interesting. When we talk about teams that, you know, that where Colin Kaepernick is an upgrade over what they have, you know who Seattle's number one quarterback is right now? Drew Locke. <laughs> Drew Locke, <laughs> right. Right. Drew Locke. Right. Right. right? So he can play in the NFL, <laughs> but Kaepernick, can, Kaepernick would absolutely be an upgrade over Drew Locke. There's nothing about anything. No, no disrespect to Drew Locke. I mean, he's a fine. I'm sure he's a fine backup. Uh, but there's nothing to suggest that we've seen in three years that he's capable of being a successful NFL starter. So if you have guys like him in the NFL that are starting and getting opportunities, to me, there's no excuse to not that Colin, for Colin Kaepernick not to be on a roster. And I hope it does build some momentum, right? Whatever the rationale, whatever the reasoning is, if this builds some momentum and gets him more opportunities and gives him an opportunity to play in the NFL, even as a backup, like you said, TC, it feels like the relationship between him and the NFL as a whole has smoothed out over the last couple of years, right? Uh, then I, what's what's the harm in that? What, what's yeah. wrong with that? I don't see anything wrong with that. He's deserving of an opportunity. Should not have been out of the NFL in the first place. And if it's not the Raiders, hopefully we start to see reports of other teams working him out because, you know, even we saw a highlight here of him throwing at Michigan halftime in the spring game. John Harbaugh, or Jim Harbaugh, whom right. he had a great relationship with, you know, invited him to throw and have an open workout. He, I mean, the arm's still, the arm's still yes. great. He's still yes. he's in great shape. He's still ripped. Looks like he can play Nowhere uh, in the tear on the legs as well, too. None. Never Zero. any major knee injuries for the most part you know so yeah. no it's like he's absolutely deserving. so the question here is where would be a good fit for him <laughs> seattle um how about those pittsburgh steelers marco <laughs> no we're loaded on quarter you're, you're, <laughs> you're a steelers fan, marco? Steelers I'm, fan? Yeah, I'm from pittsburgh okay yeah yeah we'll and we've you. talked about this quarterback position before what do you think how would he would, would, would he would he be a fit there would mike tomlin want want him well Mike Tomlin would definitely, yeah, because Mike, you know, the whole Rooney way would give would give him a chance. But how much money do you think it would take to get? That's where he's going to have to be realistic on his end too, on somebody signing. What he needs to do is get on a football field. Period. Needs to sign with somebody, even if it's just preseason action. If he gets in and gets to show that he still has it, other teams are going to forget everything else and they're going to come knocking soon as a quarterback gets hurt he's going to you know it's going to raise his stock but he might have to bite the bullet so to speak for that first contract to get back in the nfl mm -hmm. yeah so we say seattle you didn't answer my I question. Like, I like him. Pittsburgh? I like him, but no, he's not going to make it to Pittsburgh because we're committed on Mitch Trubisky and he's, <laughs> did you hear what it. you just said? <laughs> You're committed to Mitch Trubisky <laughs> for one year. <laughs> For one year, my friend, that's that's going to be the stopgap. Mitch said he was fine holding the clipboard. What are you talking about? You're committed to Mitch Trubisky? I really think that under Tomlin in Matt Canada, I think there's going to be improvement from Mitch Trubisky. Hmm. Uh, the coaching he had in Chicago was never going to succeed. But if you have a chance for Kaepernick, wouldn't you be open competition at least in that training camp with, the, with, with those two? You've got, you've got three quarterbacks in camp now, and Mason Rudolph's going to be odd man out. Deservedly so. Right. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Pickett. Yeah. You, yeah, the young quarterback. Yeah. You go for a number one draft pick, you're not bringing another quarterback in. I don't understand the Drew Locke to Seattle. Yeah. That's... That that there's an open there's an opening right there, mm -hmm. TC. Where like if you want to talk about a an, an opportunity where he, I think he could realistically win the starting job, and I, I get it, right? Like it, it sounds weird. He hasn't played in the NFL in six years, but Drew Locke has played in the NFL and he's done nothing. Had done absolutely nothing. So 
does that matter? Like, does, does experience automatically mean you're going to improve? He hasn't improved at all, right? Not that we've seen. So, he, I think he can go in there and compete for the job. Again, I think I think um, they're not – I don't think it's going to happen. But New York, Daniel Jones, like, what has he showed in three years that, that, that he's going to get to run it back for another year? Carolina's another situation. They, they clearly have no plan um, at quarterback, no kind of trajectory that they're operating on, right? Like, he is uh, would be would represent at least an equal or possibly an upgrade over Sam Donald. So there are franchises where it would make sense for him to go. It's just, are they going to do their due diligence? Are they going to bring him in and give him that opportunity? That I'm a little bit more skeptical about. But he, you know, the Raiders tryout was huge. He hadn't even had a tryout in five years, right? right. So that was groundbreaking and just in and of itself. The fact that. He was brought in by an NFL team for a real workout at team headquarters is absolutely huge. So hopefully that opens up the door a little bit and gets other teams talking about it because there's definitely teams where he would be a fit and he could be again he could be a backup at several places. I don't I don't think there's any question about that. You see yeah. some of the backups. I mean the Vikings last year t- team again I follow them closely. TC yeah. be from Minnesota. Sean Mannion's their backup. What's he done? He hasn't. It's a third round pick. He's barely played. He was god awful in he, the one game. Because a ham and egg at Oregon State. What yeah, are you talking he's about? God awful at the one game they they needed him against Green Bay yeah. on Sunday Night Football. Yeah. Got brought absolutely nothing. You have a lot of backup quarterbacks mm-hmm. of that ilk. There are very few of the, I've been to the Super Bowl, yeah. been to the NFC Championship yeah. the next season, one of the best dual threat quarterbacks and during that stretch. There's very few of that ilk available to be backups. Here's the thing. If you bring Colin Kaepernick in, yes, there will be somewhat of a circus atmosphere because of the past. And more importantly, I think, because it's been six years, Kenny Player, whatever. But he's going to be a presence in that locker room where, He's going to challenge, you know, the coach to start him because if he's coming in as a backup, unless he's sitting, you know, behind, you know, I would say Derek Carr, even though Carr's not great. He's never won a playoff game, you know, but there's going to be that, that shadow, you know, and he's got to go in to be able to compete for a starting job, you know, with some of these other teams. Again, unless you're going to Green Bay and you're backing up Aaron Rodgers or whatever you're not expected to play, but I think no matter where he goes, he's going to cast a shadow, which is okay. Create some competition. Let this guy, you know, earn a starting job. Being out of the league as many years as he is, he's got to accept going for a backup job. Period. Let his work do the talking for him. There you go. Get, like you said, get into camp, get into exhibition games, prove yourself. That in itself, from my perspective, will be awesome. Like that's yeah. in and of itself. If he ever gets on the field and plays and contributes, yeah. even better. But just just being in the NFL and having the opportunity to be a backup quarterback, you never know when backups yeah. are called upon. One thing, TC, I, I thought it was very, very interesting yesterday being out of Raiders headquarters. Derek Carr, not available. <laughs> right? <laughs> not available. <laughs> you know, that, the day after they bring Colin Kaepernick yeah. in for a workout, I thought yeah. that was – And, and he was at the work. OTAs. He was there at of the course. OTAs. Yeah. Of course. I'm just taking wow. – you know, the, the quarterback, right, yeah. you generally expect to speak on the first day of media yes. access in four months. Yeah. Hey, I'm just saying. Good point, Sam. All right, uh, Sam Gordon joins us, Las Vegas Review Journal, Marco D'Angelo. Appreciate you guys being here. Sam, tell us what you got coming up, man. What can we look for in your column? Yeah, I'm going to be uh, – we, we had a chance to chat with Max Crosby yesterday, I'm maturing Max Crosby now with the big bag in hand, uh, the long extension. He's got a, a daughter on the way. He's getting yeah. married this summer. Say, so daddy coming. Going gonna to have, have something about the maturation of Max Crosby. I'm going to be all over uh, – we're going to be tuned into Tank Davis and, and Rolly Romero tomorrow yeah. night, TC, yeah. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, Barclays Center. I got Tank with a fifth-round knockout. Out, but it's going to be fireworks. Two big punchers. Yes. Fight. I cannot I love wait. that. I love that. Okay, good stuff. All right, Marco. Appreciate it as always, man. You being here. All right. 
And uh, for everybody, we appreciate uh, you joining us here at the Cosmopolitan. And remember, Monday, uh, day off, but you can hear the show still because we have a best of some of our great interviews uh, over the past uh, couple months. We're going to throw maybe even a classic interview as well, too. So you can still listen to the show from 2 to 4 on Monday. We'll be off. Be back live uh, on Tuesday. So make sure you listen to the best of on Monday. And if you miss any part of any of the shows, go to the website and check it all out at tcmartinshow.com. For Sam Gordon, Marco D'Angelo, appreciate everyone joining us here at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas, our home here, and of course here uh, inside the William Hill Sports. But for Numchuck back in the studio, TC saying so long. Have yourself a great Memorial Day weekend, and I'll talk to you live on Tuesday at 2.